Let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you will give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Vicky and I, Vicky and I like to travel, and Vicky likes to go into old houses. And you know what they have a lot in old houses? Pianos. And in some of those old houses, they don't have the sign. <laughs> And the sign usually says, do not touch. And Vicky will tell you that several times when there's not a sign, I go and find the, the nearest employee and I say, can I play the piano? And they always say the same thing. Well, can you play the piano? And I say, we'll find out. And then I sit down and I do this. And then they say, oh, play some more. Well, I'm smart enough to get out of there after I've done a good job. And uh, somebody will always come up and say, I took piano lessons when I was a kid. And I wish I hadn't stopped. That's what this parable is about. It's not about the judge. God would never portray himself as an unfair judge. It's not about the widow's request. It's about the widow's perseverance. And what does that mean? That means as Christians, we are called to live our faith daily. We're going to talk about it a little bit. But I want you to think about this. Many of us went to college. And in college, we saw the little triangle, the pyramid that Abraham Maslow drew. And it's called the hierarchy of needs. And a child, he said, can't grow until all of these needs are met. And you won't become the person that you're supposed to be until all these needs are met. And the bottom of the pyramid says physiological needs. Just nod if you remember that. That's where the school lunches came from back in the 60s. They said these children are hungry. They cannot learn and be hungry at the same time. They need to have their needs met. Have you ever been in the church when the heater wasn't on and it was too cold? Hard to pay attention. Have you ever been in the church when the air conditioner wasn't on and it was too hot? Hard to learn. You got to get your physiological needs met. Then the next need you have to meet is safety. That's why we have these big red spots on the floor and, and, and lines on our pews because during the pandemic and when we came back, we all needed to be safe. People are still, believe this or not, people are still afraid in some congregations to go back to church. My son's church, which is a little bit larger than ours, has a group of people that said, we're not coming back until COVID is gone. I got bad news for them. COVID will be gone right after the common cold, right? But they said, I don't feel safe. I'll watch on the, the computer and I'll send in my tithe. I don't feel safe. Same thing for schools. Children who are not safe, who do not feel safe, will have trouble learning. Then there's the love and belonging. That's the third one up on Mr. Maslow's chart. A child needs to belong. That's why they have extracurriculars. 
You got field hockey kids, you got soccer kids, you got choir kids, you got drama kids. There's a computer club and a robotics club. There's a Lego club. All I know about Legos is they hurt when you step on them in bare feet. Legos are not my thing, but you know what? We have kids who bring bags of Legos to this club. Why? Because they have a need to belong. They teach you in a larger church that you will say, if they say, where do you go? Oh, I go to, and you fill in the name of the church, and I'm in, and you'll actually tell them the smaller group you're in. Oh, I'm in the Thursday night Bible study, or in the choir, or in the men's group, because we have a need to belong. Then Mr. Maslo said, we need to have esteem. We need to have the opportunity to use our talents. My talents, hopefully, are preaching and counseling and teaching, and that's why I need to be here. That's why I prayed for the opportunity to serve a church, because I knew I had talents that were not being fully used at my last position. And there's several people here who go like this. I, I wanted to do more, and the opportunity wasn't there, and I prayed for, this is exactly what I prayed for, a small church that needed my knowledge base. Here we are. Then the last one, the top of the pyramid, according to Mr. Maslow, was self-actualization. Are you becoming the person that you needed to be? In fact, he would say, realizing your full potential. Now, hopefully, as you listen to those steps, you think, yeah, I'm somewhere along that line. We have our physiological needs met, and our belonging needs, and our safety needs, and now we're becoming the people that God has encouraged us to be. So I would like to introduce you to the Madison hierarchy of spiritual needs. I'm going to draw a triangle, and at the bottom, well, we learned this a couple weeks ago in our adult Bible study. The foundation for us to grow, to be like that widow in the parable, and pound at the door of life and say, I am not giving up, I'm never going to surrender, is the word of God. Matthew 25, oh, I've got records. Psalm 119, 9 to 16 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your way. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. The one that I remember most from when I was a kid was, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you need a map for this journey, the map is in the word of God. So that's the bottom rung of, what did I name it? Madison's spiritual hierarchy of needs. Now, the second rung, oh, let me go back, I'm sorry. There are four ways, five ways to handle the word of God. One is you have to hear it. Come to church, Sunday morning, you're going to hear it. Come to Thursday night Bible study, you're going to hear it. Come to our Sunday school class, you're going to hear it. We believe that you need to hear the word of God. Now, the teacher today gave us some homework. The second step is you have to read the Word of God on your own. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I listen and read because I have the Bible on my Audible. 
And sometimes in the car, just pop it in, listen to Now, at this time of the year, I'm listening to the chronological Bible. That's where they put all the books in chronological order. So you start at Genesis and you let re, end at Revelation, but the middle is all jumbled up because they're not recorded in the Bible in chronological order. It's a little frustrating because I won't get to the gospel until the third week of October, I think. I'm not quite there yet. You've got to read it. You've got to hear it. You've got to memorize it. Thy word have they hid in my heart. How do you get it in there? You have to memorize it. Now, some of us have memorized verses from when we were little children. John 3.16, 1 John 1.9, John 1.12. Those are popular ones. Romans 3.23 and 6.23, right? The wages of sin is death. I have a friend who has memorized entire epistles. Memorize the entire book of Ephesians. He said, you know what? Why am I memorizing scattered verses when I can memorize the whole thing? And he goes, I think I've told you about him, he goes to youth groups because those are the prison epistles and he puts chains on his hand and his feet and he recites the epistle as if he were Paul in prison. You want to see a group of teenagers on the edge of their seat? And he says, get out your Bible and follow along and if I make any mistakes, you can correct me. And he brings his wife, who supervises, and she'll correct him because he wants to speak the true word of God. You've got to hear it. You've got to read it. You've got to memorize it. And you've got to meditate on it. And you have to study it. Have you ever taken the opportunity to sit with the word of God, to read a passage and then just sit with it? Not to get it over with. Not to say... I've done my duty for the day, right? My 25 minutes on the treadmill, my 10 minutes reading the Word of God, but just sit with it and let God's Holy Spirit speak to you. And then we have to study it. Hopefully you know that your pastor spends time studying the Word of God. I've got commentaries, and I've got the original languages, and I've got other people's opinions. And if I, if I still don't know what to do, I'll call my son who went to seminary and We'll iron, sharpen iron one another and see where we're going. Now that's enough on the first rung. Let's move to the second rung. The second rung is prayer. We're going to build this foundation on the word of God. And then we're going to wrap it up in prayer. Prayer needs to be persistent and personal. God does not care about the quality of your grammar in your prayer. Uh, I gave a book to the elders a few years back on, on prayer, and the guy had a whole chapter on heartfelt prayer. You may remember this. And this rather large man who had been a biker and a drug addict was out of recovery, gave his heart to Jesus, and right in the middle of his prayer let out this expletive, which sort of fit metaphorically, but wasn't really appropriate for church. But the man said it was a heartfelt prayer. It came from in here. And think about this. In Thessalonians, it says, no one pays, see that no one pays evil for evil, but always look to do good to one another. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ. Pray without ceasing is always a difficult thing to uh, translate, but let me help you here. 
If you were going to talk to a Greek from the first century, it actually says, pray as if you're coughing. Have you ever tried not to cough? It's coming. It's coming. And you know it's coming, and you don't want to cough. Maybe you're with a group of people or in the elevator, or you just, you, it's a quiet moment, and you don't want to, and you, you're going to cough. It's going to come out. You have no control. That's what he's talking about. Pray as if you're coughing or if you're sneezing. It's, it's, a, it's a response. Something happens, and then you respond. Your life should be this constant dialogue between you and God. Now, it doesn't mean I want you to drive with your eyes closed, right? But I want you to have your heart open to, to dialogue every day with the Word of God. So now we've got the bottom rung is the Word of God. And then we've got prayer. And then the next rung I, I want you to think about is fellowship. I metaphorically believe that COVID was cooked up in the kitchens of hell because it has separated the people of God. I, I don't know when we're going to feel comfortable having the... Now, in my Methodist heart, we call it the passing of the peace, right? That part where we say, okay, greet your neighbor, and there was hugging, and there was shaking of hands, and, and say, how are you? And there, sometimes it went on too long, and I would need to say, you know, fellowship must now cease. But we're the body of Christ. We need to be wrapped around each other and caring for each other. Dare I say, touching each other. Sometimes you need somebody with skin on because God is hugging you, but you don't always feel it. Fellowship. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting the meeting together. As in the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. We have been separated by COVID and other things, and we need to drag ourselves back, pull ourselves back, and celebrate that we're back. If you're taking notes, we only have one more rung to go. The word, prayer, fellowship, and the top rung is ministry. There comes a time when you have to stop being a hippo and you've got to be a honeybee. I stole that from my day, friend Dave Coriel. But someday you have to stop being a consumer and you have to share the good news. There are millions, dare I say billions of people that have not yet heard the good news. James says in Chapter 1, 22, 23, and you know this one. Be, not, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. Or I love what King James says. He looks in the mirror and then he forgets what he looks like. Did you know that the majority of people who take their watch out and look at the time... And they put it back in and you say, what time is it? And they're like, I don't know. They, they forget it that fast. Why? Because we're not spending that effort that Jesus is calling us to spend. Ministry. Ministry means leadership. Ministry means reaching out to others. And dare I say, ministry is going to cost us something. King's Fest was a blast. But it wasn't free. 
Tara giving us wonderful music for worship is wonderful, but it ain't free. Do you like heat on a Sunday morning? I like heat on a winter Sunday morning. Vicki likes it more than me. It ain't free. Can you see where this is going? We have to start giving back. It's part of that journey. But we know all of this. You've heard sermons on the word and prayer and fellowship and ministry before. Why did Jesus give this parable? It says it right in the beginning. Because we need to always pray, and the part that really speaks to me, not lose heart. Rita faithfully puts on our prayer list every Sunday morning, please pray for salvation for my friends and my neighbors. You know what? We should all put that on the prayer list every Sunday morning. It should be the number one prayer request on our list for our neighbors and our family to know Jesus in an exciting and liberating and salvific way. But let's go back to the music. That person that says, I gave up piano and I really regret it. Well, some of us can say today, I've not followed Madison's spiritual hierarchy of needs. You can start over today. If that person really wanted to play piano, they could find a teacher. If you want to start on this journey and you've not been following it the way that you believe you should, you could start on this journey today. You don't have to re have remorse. You don't have to have sadness. You don't have to have a twinge of jealousy for somebody who stayed on the path. I'll leave this with you. It's not a parable. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for life. And I want to go back to memorizing scripture. The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Or I really like this. If you're going to go for the literal Greek, it says for God loved the world this much. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth is the King James. But the Greek word is pistuon. If you need, I can spell that for you, but trust me, it's pistuon, and it's in the present active indicative. Well, you say, Madison, I'm done listening now. Well, let me tell you, everybody take a deep breath and hold it. <gasps> How long will that breath last you? 20 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute? I think the world record is like eight minutes. Whenever I'm breathing with my students, and it always makes the adult in the room laugh, I say, everybody take a good breath. You need to have at least once a day. No, we need to breathe all day, every day. A couple weeks ago when I was in the hospital for the anaphylaxis, my beautiful wife was watching the pulse ox. I didn't care about the pulse ox. And she got a little concerned because it was going down into the 80s. I don't know what that means. Vicky knows what that means. What that means is I wasn't breathing as efficiently as I should. Jesus says you have to live your Christian life efficiently so that you have the power to continue. What it should really say is believing from now, every day, every moment until Jesus comes back, until you have that joy in the kingdom. Breathing, coughing. And the last thing I want to talk about is growing. If the church is not growing, we have to say, why not? We are the gardeners. We are the shepherds. We are the ones that are supposed to be continuing 
the ministry that Jesus gave us in the, in the Great Commission. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, teach and baptize in my name. If we're not growing, then we have to ask, are we planting seeds? If we're planting seeds, are we watering them and fertilizing them and growing them? And when the seeds get to the place where they have fruit, are we harvesting the fruit and planting more seeds? It's an ongoing thing. Some of us, friends, are still stuck at the bottom of Madison's spiritual hierarchy of needs. We're hearing the word, we're reading the word, we're celebrating with others about the word, but we really haven't moved on. And if you haven't moved on, if you haven't started the journey, then that's exactly why Jesus preached this parable. You are going to lose heart. We need to listen, we need to study, we need to pray, and we need to serve not only each other, but the kingdom of God. Can we really say we are a persistent, patient, prayerful, and purposeful church? One of the commentaries wrote that, and I thought, wow, I'm jealous. That guy got four Ps in there. Persistent, patient, prayerful, and purposeful. That's what Jesus is calling to be. In couples therapy, I ask the couples every, every time we meet, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being, oh my goodness, I'm happier than I've ever been in my life, and number one is, what's the number to the divorce lawyer? Where are you? And I ask them first, and I try to alternate. So I ask the husband first this week and the wife first next week. And it sparks some very interesting conversations. So what are we going to do today? We're going to stop and we're going to ask ourselves two spiritually diagnostic questions. How am I doing on a scale of 1 to 10 as an active follower of Jesus Christ? That is your diagnostic question. Where am I? Am I the widow traveling through the road, no matter what storm gets in the way, to meet Jesus and celebrate at the end? Or am I losing heart? The second diagnostic question is this. How are we, insert the name of your ministry. So for us here, Kings, for anybody listening online, whatever the name of your church is, how are we, insert name, doing to advance the gospel? What are we doing to support those in need? And what are we doing to teach and make disciples? I can't answer those questions for you. In our meditation time, while Kara plays the piano, confess your inability or unwillingness to climb that ladder, to walk that road. It sort of fits with this morning's Sunday school. Give up your Jonah moments. The second thing I'd like you to do is ask the Holy Spirit to inspire, empower, or enrich your spiritual walk. And the third thing I'd like you to do during meditation is listen for God's leading for the next step of your faith. To steal it from the Nike commercials, you got to just do it. Amen.